Hello, I'm Francine, host of Copy to Care, a podcast series sponsored by Blue Sea Care that features guests who share their expertise and life experiences to empower our loved ones in the community. Our aim is to serve as a relevant, genuine, and entertaining resource to help you triumph over the seismic changes resulting from COVID-19. Today, we'd like to welcome Marie Matheson, an experienced doctor with a demonstrated history of working in the mental health care industry. She is skilled in cognitive behavioral therapy, group therapy, family therapy, clinical supervision, and psychological assessment. Welcome, Marie. Hello. Nice to be here. Oh, great. Now, Marie, what is your strategy for helping people stay healthy when faced with stress and circumstances of today? Well, first, I would like to say that any changes um, happen when um, when we have changes like we have now, it's important to have a good grounding. And so I would say that to take care of ourselves in a general matter, like, um, you know, taking care of our health through exercise, nutrition, anything that has to do with setting our best asset out um, is important. Uh, if we and then when we get some some problem outside, we are much stronger, much much stronger um, to assess it and to solve it. So yoga in general has been something that I've been recommending for people for many reasons. First, for physical because the physical and the mental is related is on is one, um, and. Um, through that, we have the meditation that brings stress down. It's uh, vital. The nutrition that uh, people tend to oversee, but it has a huge effect on how we sleep, how we think, um, on the cortisol level and many other levels that are related to stress as well. Um, I have like, um, what do I have? Um, what do I recommend? Meditation, yoga, nutrition, and then one of the thing is uh, do passion thing like uh, art. We talk about um, art um, having, if you are that type of person, but each of us as human are creative on some sort. So it's to find an outlet that help us because when we are, and it, it can be art, it can be workshop for some people, it can be hobbies. But anything that we get involved with, we have our brain wave that works a certain way and able to readjust um, on a time of stress. So something like the COVID, uh, where we are kind of stay home, we have to reorient our life and find some level of um, interest beside work. And it does help us to recenter and to... Um, I mean, I was doing neurofeedback on the past, which I'm not doing anymore, but it's very important. And, and when you do art, for example, talking about Blue Sea, when we do art, our brain wave go on a certain, after a while we get like a kind of meditation mm -hmm. through the same, the same brain wave that it, it does and bring automatically the threshold down of stress and help us to um, think better and if we think better then our emotions are mm -hmm. better managed and I mean it's a whole like spiral 
um, hopefully a positive spiral versus negative spiral when people go through depression or something like that. Oh, very good. So it's really, really helpful to your mental health to have a good balance of nutrition and exercise and creativity, sounds like. And mm -hmm. I understand that you are an artist, a very, very good artist. And um, so you really must understand how it contributes to wellness. And you've done a few art exhibits and and can you tell me about um, some of the art exhibits that you've done and how they have helped with resilience and getting through hard times? Well, yes, actually, I began art. Well, I have I have done art through building houses. So that was one of my passion. Uh, but then uh, I, it's a lot of money and a lot of time. So I began actually after the fire, the last fire, I began to um, try to do and take lessons into uh, painting. And uh, when I did that, actually, I began to producing and I got accepted from the Malibu uh, City Hall. They were doing a retrospective after our fire, a big fire to help people uh, that were going through a hard time because they know it's very restorative. Um, so they, they did like, um, a cur they curated some of the art uh, mm -hmm. and, um, and so I have done it, I got accepted and then they did a second one because so many people and that's very nice to hear that a lot of people put, you know, their, their love into something like art after the fire because it helps them to recenter and they had so many applications that they had to do a six months extra they redid an, a second retrospective and I got accepted with a new piece of art. Again, both of them were related to the fire. He had to be in relation to the fire mm -hmm. and some beautiful art. Some people did like, I mean, gorgeous art. And then after that, they continue with the last spring. They continues with uh, the regeneration because it was the first spring after a year of mourning, basically, mm -hmm. and they did that. And so I was accepted again with another piece. So that was, that was, but it's nice. It's and to see the community helping itself with, um, with art and the, the city understanding that is very nice to help them through the, the difficulty of coping. Right. With loss. Very good. Now, I know that you work with a lot of people who are experiencing depression and different things um, related to stress and you know just everyday life. Um, how do you recognize when someone needs help? Well, first, usually people come to me <laughs> mm -hmm. or are referred by the doctor, the MD that sends them to me. So that's easy. But then in the room, um, I mean, you can see usually what you have to look and, and with the elder population uh, is it's seen as well because as a society we tend to put them aside. But what's happening is that they get, when we suffer a loss, we tend to, um, to withdraw uh, in order to, because our, our resources are depleted. Mm -hmm. because of a loss, a shock or something like that. And so we tend to withdraw. And so I see a lot of people that are depressive that are withdrawing. That's a big, big sign. Problem with sleeping is, an, is another. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, yes, uh, no social, uh, no much social interaction and mm -hmm. loss of energy. 
they tell you they are tired all the time and mm. so mm. and so that's that's a telling sign of usually depression that you have to pay attention to mm-hmm. and i understand that you were saying how zoom calls are so much better because you actually get to see the person and understand what they're going through yeah, it's, I mean, one of the things that we do when, as a doctor is you have the person right in front of you. Now, right now, I'm not seeing anybody on my office. And even if I were, it wouldn't be very, very helpful because you have to put a mask. So you are losing a lot of signs when you are hiding behind the mask mm-hmm. through Zoom. So I have done phones, phone call, but... Um, the advantage of Zoom is that you, the person is much more interactive with you. They see you. On the phone, you don't know what they are doing, if they are distracted by the noise next door or anything, or if they are thinking and doing something else, you know, during that time. Right. Whereas on the Zoom, they are right there with you, and you see them, and they are one-on-one, like I'm talking now. And mm-hmm. so you are present. And that brings them more into the present, which is when you are depressed, you are not much on the present. You either go toward the fear, the past, or you go toward what's going to happen with anxiety. And so um, the, the Zoom helps to see also the person um, veering or giving you a sign because they can tell you one thing, but then they sh- not feeling that and you can pick up uh, with looking at it. So. Mm-hmm. Looking at the person, you 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 see a lot of things. You have a lot of. We lose the bottom of the body most of the time. I mean halfway, but it's minimal compared to the facial expression. So Zoom is very important, and if he, he forces them to interact with you right on one on one, which they need because because right. of the withdrawal. Right. Right. Blue Sea Care provides comprehensive care management to seniors and their families. Services include complete physical care for seniors who want to maintain their independence and state of health. The caregiving is combined with Art to Wellness, a program which uses the therapeutic benefits of the arts to assist with cognitive care for seniors. You can learn more about Blue Sea Care's programs at www.blueseacare.com. And um, can you explain, you were talking to me um, a while back about reframing and what is reframing and how does it work? And you had mentioned something about, you know, seeing the grass as pink instead of green. And so could you go into that? Because that's very interesting. Well, classically, um, what we know about psychology is that first we we have genetics. We have certain genetics, so we are born a certain way. We are not blank slate. We are born a certain way. And then on top of that, you have the, um, the environment from your family that comes on top of that. And based on if he fits or not, the genetic and the parenting, uh, he will enhance the, the child or not. And so you begin to develop coping, coping mechanism of understanding the world a certain way, the combination of these two things. And so you go in the world with, which is very subjective and we go with a belief that the world is the way we see it and that everybody, you and I and everybody around sees the world the way I see it. And so 
what's happening is that if it's a positive way of the positive copying mechanism where you know thing works for you then no problem the problem comes when you know we begin to develop perspectives that are harmful to our health and when that happens it's when we need to change it and so um, my idea was taking something about the, the 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 grass greener you know and and pink but the idea is that we believe a certain reality and through therapy, the person talk and explain how they see the world. I hear that and I will be able to say and help the person helping them to see does he help you or not, you know, based on what you see and helping them to reframe what we call reframing um, to present them with a different reality. Of course, we don't tell them, but through ways the person comes to see that maybe there is another way that this green that that pink grass that pink grass is not pink but maybe green and so we entertain that idea and we work with that and the more you work with it then after a while the people begin to accept that that reality is possible and also more conducive to health and that to try that. And that's when therapy is important as well, because you have to help them branch between the old way that is maybe harmful, but comfortable to a new way that is more healthy or healthier, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but fear, I mean, that is bring some fear because they never actually adopted that way. And so even if it's better for them, they don't want to take it or they are afraid to take it. So as a therapist, you help them to, to, to cross that bridge and you help them practice that perspective. And the more they practice, the more it becomes second hand and it becomes a reality. And then they, their health is better. And then, then now they are on a new spin of, you know, being reinforced by positive outcome. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Now you were talking about, um, something very close to you and um, you were talking about a little bit about grief. Can you explain the phases of grief and then your own experience with it? Mm. And then maybe go, you know, talk about, you had mentioned that you actually lost your home back in 1993 and that whole story. Yeah. Well, so the classic, stages from uh, Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. It's like a very old classic where it's five stages. And so he goes, there are five stages. It was was a denial, which the denial is about you cannot, you know, it it cannot happen to me. It's not possible. It's, it's shock. It's, it's there. There is no way it could happen because the reality is so big, particularly here, like losing a house, or, or losing someone, like with all these people losing with the COVID, we cannot accept reality. So we deny it. So that's the first stage. Then the second stage is the anger, because then suddenly we realize the reality. And the realization is very painful. So you have a lot, a lot of pain. You have fear, you know, you know, why me? It's not fair. I mean, all this idea of that anger with, so I lost my house in 93 and, um, and, and, and the whole, not only me, but the whole, my whole neighborhood. And uh, we had reunion 
And it was very interesting because um, after the denial, you know, denial was done. Now we accepted it because we are all on the same page. Um, you could hear people so angry. And what happened is that you get angry at because you feel so helpless. You projected on the outside. So people were angry at the city. People were angry at the fireman. People were angry on all the things. I mean, if they are putting it out because they don't know what to do with that that sad I mean that sadness that is unbearable. So mm -hmm. that's the second stage that the anger. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, if you lose someone, it may be anger at the medical. Uh, the people that didn't take uh, that didn't take care of themselves. Maybe they they get angry at the policy, which you know some of them they should be right about. But <laughs> um, oh, we're not going to go political. Um, the, no. So this, yeah, exactly. So the third stage after the denial and the anger, then it's a bargaining, and the bargaining is interesting because it's like you begin. So people who lose someone, well. Please, or they are in the process of losing someone, they're going to say, you know, I'll do it. They pray to whatever religion they believe and say, I'll do whatever I need to do in order to have that person not die. I mean, they do whatever they want. And basically, they are trying to, to arrange things. Um, but usually, it's, it's an attempt that is... Um, yeah, it's, it's bargaining. I don't know what you say. It's... it's mm -hmm. But it's not accepting. It's like we still are on that process of not yet accepting. And, and we are dealing and we are beginning to reorganize, but not really. And then depression comes because we cannot, the bargaining didn't work. Usually it doesn't work unless you have a special ticket. Uh, mm -hmm. Then you, what you do is um, you do the, uh, you go on depression because it's so heavy that you begin to feel overwhelmed by all the demand from the outside. So when you lose a house, uh, you have so many things that happen at the same time. When you lose a loved one, uh, there is a loss of not being able to, to be next to the person and talk. So all this, it's so overwhelming that you begin to withdraw. What I was talking a little bit earlier is like you withdraw from the social, you withdraw from your activities, your daily activity. You withdraw more and more and don't talk to anyone. I just had a patient and she said, well, I just lost a dear friend and uh, I prefer not to talk about it because it's so heavy. And most people do that. It's, I believe it's I mean, everybody is different. They need some time, sometimes more than others, to deal with their emotion. But the first instinct is to get into ourselves instead of like go outside. And um, and it's interesting because in terms of coping, uh, I, I, one of my dissertation, of course, my dissertation, I did it. Oh, I did it on the people who lost their house. Uh, because I had all, I mean, actually, I was not doing that, but I lost my whole dissertation on a fire. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know, I know. It was like five years of study. Oh and and it was a very difficult, very difficult uh, subject. And I, it took me a long time. And I tried to go back to it because I had still the idea and I idea, but, but all the, everything was lost. So I tried to go back to it thinking, you know, I knew enough that I, but it was impossible. So I had the whole group of people that burn and I did it on the people who burn with a coping mechanism and changing what, what I was doing it on. Um, and, and so what I, I discovered is that coping 
the, it's interesting because there is scoping sometimes that can be good on some situation and some that are not good on this situation. And one of the big distinction is the outcome. Can you change the outcome by coping? And so with sometimes, you know, you can change outcome because you can change your behavior, what we're talking about, and therefore the outcome is positive. But when the outcome cannot be altered because it's something that is greater, like a fire, losing your house or losing a loved one, you cannot change that. They are saying actually that a good coping mechanism is something that like humor, because yeah. humor, would, which would be disastrous, on a other that can be changed, because then it would be more denial. I'm putting the humor, but I'm not altering it. But on something that you cannot change, actually humor is very good. It helps, you know, uh, dealing with it. Um, so, okay, so then I was well in depression. So you deal with that and, and try things. And then the last stage, finally, you begin to accept the situation. Sometimes. You accept your feeling you, and you reorganize your life. You, you put life together and begin to see the future and a potential future to start again. And that was actually the last thing of my dissertation was the rising of the phoenix, because once you are on the bottom, bottom, then the only place you have is to go up. Mm -hmm. So if you, if, you have, if you are thinking that way, so. Right. But, yeah. So that that's the five stage. And, and so, yeah, losing the house was interesting. And so one of the things we talk about is because I lost the house in 93, I learned a lot. And because I was a therapist as well, I said, well, I didn't lose my house this time, almost, but I didn't lose it. And I said, why don't I have a group of people who lost their house in my home and I can help them because I have not only the knowledge of going through it, but I have the professional knowledge as well. So I'm gonna I'm gonna help these people. So I invited these people to uh, like a group of people that lost their house to my home, and we began to meet. And after a while, I began to have some. I, I began to wake up at night and have some nightmares, and and usually I'm 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 pretty good at coping. And mm -hmm. I was having all this thing, and and I was taking what these people were taking it too close to me. And to the point that um, I think that I lost track of my professionalism and went and, and the, my past came back. So it's almost like I had this new PTSD that came back. It was 25 years later, but mm -hmm. all the image of come and it was not necessarily of the past of mine, but it was the people, the empathy that I took from the people, but was not able to separate as a professional, like I use, I do with my patient, because it was too close to me. And I began to, my arm began to hurt. And I couldn't lift my arm to the point that I couldn't even wash my hair. I couldn't lift it up. And, and I, I, I had to go see a physical therapist for that. And, yeah. but I, I, what happened is, also because of course I, I, I work on myself to know what was happening. And like I said earlier, with the yoga and, and meditation, is the body and the mind is only one. We tend to separate it in, in, in our world, but it's, we are one and thing. So what happened is I transformed the emotional pain in physical where I couldn't lift. So it was basically in the image, I couldn't carry these people myself. I couldn't help them. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, 
I couldn't lift them. And, and so I actually gave the group to um, another therapist that was beginning with a temple. Mm-hmm. And they went with them. And, and I began to work on myself in order to go back to recenter. And it's basically I recenter and work on myself and did all the things that I'm saying. It was pretty quick, but, um, but I was surprised that mm-hmm. I was that vulnerable uh, because it was 25 years you know, mm-hmm. earlier and I never thought that I would be, it would come back that quick. It's just yeah. all your empathy, all your empathy that even someone like you with all that knowledge and education, it just shows how human we are and how fragile we are. That's right. Yeah. Susceptible and vulnerable. Yeah, I know. And yes, it, it, can, it was very interesting because I, I, usually I help people and I don't think and I can push, I can push and, and but this one, my body kind of let me know that I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so for family members and for seniors, what would you say to them as far as when they should seek help? Because most seniors have um, the ability to call a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Um, what, what would you like to say to people out there about the sign, just specific signs to look for yeah. and, you know, when they should seek help. Well, I, I think when the people begin to say, uh, uh, begin to withdraw from activities, that's the reason what I think what Bruce, uh, Bruce does with the, uh, the art, I think it's fantastic because it forces these people to be there mm-hmm. and engage themselves not only with the art, but engage with the other people that are around them. So it creates also the social involvement that is very important because it's looking for withdrawal. It's the same thing when it works for older people, it works for younger people as well, like teenagers, when they begin to withdraw from activities, um, how they are formulating what they say, the command that they say, if you begin to say, well, one of the things, because of when you're older, you have to pay attention to that because dementia begins to happen at that time. So you need to hear how they say, you know, and not to get overly uh, scared about it, but just to stay alert is the person beginning. Because also with dementia, depression comes with dementia as well. Because mm-hmm. what's happening when you have dementia, you lose track of, of things. And you are aware of it, but you are, but you are not sh- truly aware. You, you're aware of things missing. And so mm-hmm. you fill in the missing part that you know are missing. You fill it up with stuff, but it's, it's a filler. And, and the fear begins to install because they are beginning to aware that they are not in control. And oh. when that loss of control begins to happen, then depression happens for many people. Mm-hmm. Unless you have been practicing, you know, that thing I'm saying about meditation, yoga and, and of, you know, acceptance, that fifth stage, the acceptance mm-hmm. of living, accepting to be older with all what it entails. Um, but on our world, we are not teaching older people to accept that. We are still on a youth society. We have to be young. We cannot accept, you know, to get older. We don't, you know... Getting older is not a good thing. Some countries do have, like in Japan, it's beautiful how 
Mm. The old age is actually positive, is wisdom and a lot of things. So they are not afraid. It's a normal stage. Mm -hmm. in, in America, we tend to say like the older people is like, we don't want to go there because we put them on the side. They are not accepted. It's beginning to change a little bit more, but mm -hmm. uh, that was a good thing about the COVID that I've seen actually, the fact of protecting the older people. Of course, he, he worked for a little while after mm -hmm. that. It was not, but... Right. <laughs> um, but the idea is, uh, if you see people beginning to voice down ideas, I'd, like um, I'm not, I'm not hungry anymore. Like the loss of appetite is one, mm. loss of sleeping, mm -hmm. uh, and withdrawal, withdrawal, and the cognitive way of expressing themselves, like uh, or stopping taking shower. Now, you have to look about why, because it could be because they are afraid of falling. I mean, it could be because they are more frail, so they don't want to do it. But I think the best thing you can do for aging parents is listen. Mm -hmm. Listen to them and hear what they are saying. And then based on that, you know, indeed, I mean, um, I mean, most most places they do provide psychologically, you know, and, and it is paid by uh, Medicare, Medical, all that is, but because it's, it, they know that it's, it helps, mm -hmm. you know, it makes a better life and, and it helps people. Right, right. Yeah, mentioning the Blue Sea Care art classes, it takes some cognitive skills to be able to log in and get everything working to do the art classes, so that kind of is a good test of their abilities. I, I see that some of the uh, the children are helping them get online to do the art classes. So it, it is a beautiful thing. So anything else you'd like to add? And, and possibly maybe do you have a quote that you live by that you'd like to share? Yeah, well, okay. So one one of the things I would like to say that I didn't say it's like one of the things you can teach people it's to have empathy to self. Now it sounds like, oh, it's, it's narcissism, but it's not. No. It has nothing to do with it. Because actually, narcissists is the opposite. They have absolutely no empathy for themselves. It's just a makeup and pushing. But when you are going through a hard time, it's being good to yourself. It's like accepting and that acceptance, like the empathy. So that's something I wanted to add um, mm -hmm. to the recovery, the important thing of the recovery. And that's what you do also when you have like these creative classes, um, mm -hmm. is that everybody is kind of um, supporting each other with the art. Oh, I like, I like it, uh, show mm -hmm. me, and things like that. And so it's, it's very positive and very caring, and all that does help and to keep depression at bay. Mm -hmm. um, and so my quote, one of the quotes that I like is one from Confucius, so it's pretty old. Mm -hmm. And it says, it's a classic one, but I, I love it because I love the idea. It says, um, I'm not good at quote. I'm always good at... Uh, oh, you are, you uh, are. No, I'm not. I have to look at... Uh, yeah, a, a journey of a thousand step, steps begins by a single step. This is that. Journey, of, journey a of thousand steps, steps begins by a single step. And so that single step can be finding help, mm -hmm. you know, and it can be through, you know, help professional. It could be through a program like yours. It mm -hmm. can be through friendship 
and being vulnerable on that first friendship and confiding to these people so you can talk about, you know, if you have something that bothers you or that you're afraid of. And, and so it's that little step that we allow you to, to keep going oh, and, and to see it as a journey versus, mm. you know, just, you know, uh, a step. Yeah, no, yeah, something to, you know, to get you started, take that first step. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the beginning of the journey. And then probably right. just step by step, not trying to look from step one to step 1000, just take it a day at a time. And that's, I think, is the definition of life is that that's, it's a present, living on the present and putting one step on, uh, on top of, I have actually a, a, a movie that I love that is very a comedy. And okay. goes, what about Bob? Have you, have you ever seen that? <laughs> yes. I love that movie because it was that. It was this person who was like bugging the psych- psychiatrist and it was like one step at a time. It was this, it, it's very fun. If you haven't seen that movie, it's worth seeing again. It's, it was very funny. It's with, uh, I'm terrible with names. So um, uh, I don't remember his name. But I will definitely look it up. What about Bob? What about Bob? And it's about that, that's, you know, it's a very helpless uh, uh, patients with uh-huh. a, a psychiatrist. <laughs> it's very funny. Oh, good, good. Well, thank you so much for all your wisdom today. It was very, very helpful. And I, I think that all our um, listeners will really enjoy it. So thank You're you welcome. so much, Marie. It, it's a, it was a pleasure. <laughs> all right. Well, take care. Thank okay, you. Bye-bye, Francine. <laughs> bye-bye, Marie. Bye-bye.